Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Todd Sports Bama Beat Basketball Podcast. I am Hunter Johnson. I'm joined as always by Cecil Hurt. And today we have a special guest. He is the voice of Alabama basketball and the voice of Alabama baseball, Chris Stewart. Chris, how we doing? Guys, I'm good. Good as anybody can be this uh, about right now, but I'm I'm glad to be on with you guys. It was good to hear your voice, man. Just like it makes me like, you know, kind of nostalgic. It makes me think about Alabama <laughs> basketball. Well, it, it's nice to be told that it's good to hear your voice cuz I've been quarantined with my wife for a few months and she doesn't share that same opinion. So it's uh it's it's nice to hear for a change. I could imagine. So, so tell us a little bit, you know, March, you know, the mid-March happens, the SEC tournament gets uh, canceled. What if, you know, you were planning on calling baseball for the next, you know, hopefully into sure. June. Yeah. What, what's, what's this been like for you? Um, not fun. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I'm not going to say that complete cause that's not fair and that's not accurate. Um, I've really enjoyed, you know, the circumstances of almost the last year last nine months, whatever it is, um, perspective changes and, and things change for you when you, you spend the time that I spent in the hospital, but it has been great to be with my family. Uh, I got a chance, um, this past weekend to go watch my son at a tournament, see him play last week when the, the weather would, would cooperate, but he's nine and, and getting the chance to sit in the outfield and, and not have a care in the world on my end and just watch him enjoy being nine and playing baseball was, Mm -hmm. was a lot of fun, special to, to just be a dad in that regard and, and be able to be home for it. Um, the, the whole turn of events for these last several months, you know, it would be really simple to say, never experienced anything like it. Heck nobody has, but to, to be 10 minutes away from airtime, as we were in Nashville and Roger Hoover sees it come across his, you know, the mess, the, the tweet or whatever, come across his phone that the 2020 sec men's basketball tournament has been canceled. And I started putting stuff in my, but well, we actually did go on air, uh, and do five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it was just to, to let people know what was transpiring from Nashville and, to, to know that there was not going to be basketball and we didn't know what was going to happen. But, you know, here's a cap on our broadcast and here's a cap on the, the season, apparently. And we did that in the span of about 10 minutes and I threw stuff in the bag and got out of there because you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know if we're going to be quarantined there in the building. Uh, there was a lot of stuff moving quickly and unknown. So I wanted to get out of there and try to get back home and so I walked the four blocks back to the hotel, which at that time for me physically was was pretty good effort, pretty good struggle. But, you know, huffing and puffing, I got it done and got to the room, threw stuff in the bag, got in the car, got it pointed towards Birmingham. Actually saw my son play his last game. Uh, they had not canceled theirs for baseball. And so I got to watch one more of those before the quarantine. And then 
I needed some time after all of, all of that for me physically took a toll and I needed uh, a few days or a week off, but never imagined that we would be sitting here as we are talking about a season that was not completed and either basketball or baseball and the questions that are still in the air of, will we definitively have football? It's, uh, it's surreal. It's tough. It's frustrating, but I, it's nowhere near as frustrating as it is. I'm sure for those kids who have invested so much and the coaches who've invested so much to, uh, to get to that point. And man, for, for basketball, the season was likely going to end in Nashville or in the NIT. Okay. Uh, we, we knew where that was going and not that you're happy that it ended shortly because you like to have seen those guys get a chance to, to play out whatever the end of the season was going to be. You want to see them play that to the, to the finish line. But for baseball, it was really tough because you know how much work that Bo and that staff have put in to, to, uh, to be competitive again and to, to be potentially elite and that's mm-hmm. where they were, and uh, to have to, you know, put stuff up for the year and just have it come to such a uh, a screeching halt like that was was really really tough to see. Yeah, and I was actually going to ask you kind of, and this we mainly talk about basketball. We can talk about whatever the heck we want on here. I was going to kind of lead you into baseball. Like, I mean, at that point, I guess when you leave Nashville, you thinking it all like, well, I might call baseball this weekend. Yeah, at that it, point, yeah. Go ahead. No, you're you're right. I'm sorry to mean to cut you off. You're right. In fact, in that 10 minute deal that we did for the basketball broadcast, we said as of right now, the plan is to be on the air with you tomorrow night because it was a Thursday game. The plan is to be with you tomorrow night for the start of SEC play. But and obviously, Missouri, we don't. Yeah, I think so. Um, but we don't know that that's going to happen. So you know, follow RollTide.com for the latest info. But that's that's where we were. It was um, it was leaving Nashville, knowing that basketball was probably over, heading back, hoping that baseball was still going to take place, but realizing the likelihood of that going on uh, or continuing wasn't real strong either. So it was uh, it was tough, scary. But you know, Cecil, we've we've covered a lot of tournaments over the years, and something's weird always seems to happen about every third or fourth year where the SEC tournament is concerned, whether it's a tornado hitting the building, uh, an escape convict from the courthouse in Atlanta. <laughs> I uh, forgot about that one. Yeah. Uh, those remember, were the same Those were the same tournament, right? I don't think it was. They were Maybe very not. close together, though. No, I think it though. was. I, I think it was. It could have been. I don't been. think it was the same day. I think. I think. No, it wasn't the same day. I think the but convict it, was the day before. I it think. could have been. That in that documentary. Yeah, it could have been. But uh, they were fairly close together if it wasn't the exact same tournament. I just remember doing a morning radio show from my hotel room. And I've got it on CNN or one of the local channels. And they're talking about there was a helicopter view. You know, a camera shooting down on downtown Atlanta, and I'm going, man, that looks familiar. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the air, and I turn and I look out the back window, and there's the helicopter uh, that's actually shooting what I'm watching on TV. And that's when you realize, okay, this is close. So it was, uh, it was bizarre, but that all always seems to be something around the tournament where something goofy happens. And this was, I don't, I don't know if it falls in the goofy category, but certainly it falls into the out of the norm. 
category of things to occur. Well, between us three is as much Alabama basketball as we've seen. Obviously, I've seen the least. It's very rare that I'm talking to three people or two people, and I've seen the least Alabama basketball between all of us. We ain't um, got a ton. Of, we don't have you by much, though. But uh, I was to say, like, as Alabama basketball fans, we've all seen some stuff. Like, I mean, whether it's SEC tournament stuff, whether it's Alabama basketball-centric stuff, we've all seen some stuff. So, you know, weird stuff shouldn't really face us anymore at this point, I guess. Yeah. Um, Kind of I don't want to top. I put it this way. I don't want to see it topped anyway. I agree. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, just kind of want to talk about a couple of random things before we kind of get into the to real like Alabama basketball stuff. What is your favorite multi-team event that Alabama has played in? Multi-team event? Yeah, basketball-wise. You know, like Maui or oh Paradise man. Jam. You're not Both talking of, about an NCAA tournament. Not NCAA tournament. I'm talking about an early season of uh, yeah. exempt event. St. Thomas is really cool once you get there. It's uh, it's not anywhere near as long a flight. I remember as Maui is. I remember and it was the only time I've ever been out there. Uh, but I remember we're going and and we flew. Oh gosh, Birmingham, um, Atlanta, L.A. And we're you know and that's a that's a full day in and of itself. And we're trudging to our gate, and we get there, and you kind of put your stuff down. And I'll never forget Mark Godfrey turning, sitting down, looking at me, taking a deep breath. And he goes, can you believe we're on, We're not even halfway there yet? <laughs> and, and in terms of mileage, he was right. Thankfully, we only had, uh, I think, one more flight in. I don't remember if we had to connect in Honolulu to get to Maui. But um, it, it, it was it's a long way out there, but, man, is it worth it once you are. It's just it's every bit as beautiful as described and and as you've seen on television if you've never been but it is it's an absolute paradise and um you know St. Thomas is really cool it's nowhere near it can be tough to get there and it's but it's not as long of a a flight but the tournaments itself themselves you know Alabama was a team with Ron Steele and Jamario Davidson, and I, I can't remember the full roster. They start to run together after a while. Chuck, but Jamario. Chuck, um, yeah. Let's see. Evan Brock. Uh, I don't remember. I think Alonzo G may have still been on that team. G was G was on that team. That was G's uh, freshman year. Okay. No, I'm and then, sophomore year. Sophomore year. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you go there and you're in a – you're in a pretty good tournament. I forgot Xavier was one of the teams. That may be who we beat in the championship. Xavier was who we beat in the championship. Iowa we beat in the semis. Villanova was also there. Wow. We beat Middle Tennessee State in the first game. I went to that tournament. That I went to okay. Paradise Jam and uh, it was at No Six Paradise Jam, and I, I freaking loved it. Now, yeah, also, it was awesome. Also a, a lot more fun because we won three games. I can well, imagine the trip down in 2010 probably wasn't as fun. And you go the 0 3 and lose to St. Peter's in game three. The irony in that is that I know another team that was in the field was VCU, which was coached by Anthony Grant. And they went 0 3, I think, in really? that tournament, uh, or at least lost two games. And he inherited the contract to go there in his first year at Alabama. And we lost a really good game in the first one to Seton Hall. Uh, they had a great player who breaks his wrist in yeah. the last minute of that game, and they were awful the rest of the year. But they were they were a top twenty five team. That was a great game in the opening game of that tournament. Then we weren't motivated. Lost to Iowa in the second game, wow. and then lost. One reason, to, one reason they weren't 
one reason they weren't motivated is because I was there having to get quotes or whatever. And Anthony kept him in the locker room for at least 45 minutes. Yeah. And I mean, wore them out, wore them. I rarely use the word berated. Right. But he berated them. After Seton they Hall? Did not, uh, yeah. After the first wow. game. And then they went back to the hotel. Um, you know, and I'm sure they'd been looking. They, they were, you know, kind of right there in town and, you know, and on the beach, a little bit of the beach. The, the beach, per se, isn't that great. I mean, it's lovely, but it's rocky beaches. And so yeah. I'm sure they wanted to wanted to get out. And instead, they had to, you know, he put a curfew on them. He put a, you know. Yeah. And they he, just was, he was a serious taskmaster at that point in his career. I have no clue he where was, he is now. He was. He was trying to. He was trying, you know, he probably, I would think, as, as good a year as Dayton had, I would think that he maybe uh, maybe eased up on him a, a little bit. But um, I think he was trying to get there. You know, he's a young coach. Sure. Trying to get their attention and um, backfired. He got on it the wrong way. Bit. Yeah. It, it I backfired after, on him. I remember after they lost you know, to that, Iowa, we got the that, day off right. the next day, and he— and, he told them they were going to have meetings, but he didn't tell them when. And so they 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 couldn't go to the beach at all. And he was just like randomly calling them, and they had five minutes to get to uh, to get to the the meeting room where he was going to have the one on one stuff. And that didn't go over real well either. It's such no, a dichotomy. And, the year that I and, the year that I was there, uh, I think on the off night I went to the greenhouse bar with Mikel Riley and Greg Cage. Like there wasn't a lot of. Uh, <laughs> Might have had not enough discipline. Yeah, yeah, we were we were staying out in Red Hook, so I wasn't around the team hotel. But yeah, he 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 berated them, and I mean they they still, you know, even if he had, you know, made them run up, you know, forty yard gassers for two full days. There wasn't any, you know, St. Peter's wasn't very good. And yeah. Alabama they, had that game. They're in control. Of I'm trying to remember. They're up. They scored four. late. Lost yeah, they, 50 to 49. Yeah, yeah. lost 50 to 49. And I Which think was Alabama as was thrilling like, as that score would indicate. Oh, by yeah, way. absolutely. We saw uh, a lot of those but, during the Grand Area. But, with a minute yeah. left. With a minute left, Alabama had an 87% Alabama's, chance to win. Yeah, I, I think I think they were up four with a minute left. It was yeah, 49 to uh, 46. Yeah, and and um, you know just didn't, couldn't finish. And uh, you know St. Peter's, they, they were not a let's let's nothing against the Peacocks. <laughs> but, that's a sentence I've never heard uttered before. But you know they they were not a great. Um, they weren't even a. They weren't even good enough to be called bad. They were awful that year at that point. At that point, anyway, in Alabama, Alabama's guys were so tight that they weren't going to beat the three of us and two other guys at that point. I mean, they were they were really wound tight. And that's part of yeah. what we're talking about what? with Anthony growing. I mean, he he's obviously become a, a – he wasn't a bad coach then. He made a mistake in how he managed yeah, that. Yeah, how he handled them. Yeah, because he's – yeah, but he was wasn't a, he's a, wasn't a first, he'd been at VCU he wasn't a first year coach sure but, but he's trying to get control of that team what was right 
two things. One thing I remember about that is a last place game in a tournament in the Virgin Islands, and the stats crew just didn't show up. They just didn't mm. do. They just didn't do yeah. any stats at all. Which was okay. Which was there's fine. not a box score on you know, Kim Palm. I was looking it up. Yeah, right now. There's not a box. yeah, <laughs> yeah. The stat. That's because the stats crew didn't. I mean, they didn't even show up. Um, so it, it's. Um, and then the other thing about that, what was, what was unfortunate about that, uh, I thought a little bit, was, uh, you know, even if. You, you you lose to seat now even then if you re- regroup and win two games in that term you're probably gonna make the NCAA because they they yeah, sure you know I mean they were they were I think five and six in the preseason or at one point in the preseason uh, and then they had a nice year in the league you know, twelve and four. that was that they was year nice two year wasn't in it? the league yeah. yes yeah if if uh, Vandy beats Florida that last Saturday of SEC play. Alabama we share the title. title. Yeah, that's right. Because I remember yeah. joking with Anthony on the post game show for whoever it was we beat that day. Georgia. Uh, yeah, as usual, we played Georgia the last home game of conference Did, play. Then played them again. Coleman. Round of the tournament. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the, and, and they the get in was, as an 11 seed, by the way. Yeah, yeah and the league twice. was good that year. Um, it was good. And, and Florida, we, Florida was good and couldn't beat Florida. You know, Anthony couldn't yeah. beat Florida, but but had beaten Kentucky, had beaten. Tennessee, um, you know, had beaten Vandy, and and so it was. I mean, it was a team that would have made the tournament had they beaten Iowa and St. Peter's. You know, the issue with that with the league that year, the league had some good talent at the top, but you had Auburn, which was two thirty four in Kempon. LSU was two thirty two. You had the bottom half was bad. I remember doing the. I remember doing the last TV show with Anthony for the year. And he was stunned when I told him that we had made the tournament before with a seven and nine league record. <laughs> he couldn't believe that that sub five hundred had actually gotten in before, you know. But those years, the the time that happened, of course, Alabama was. I think that was when Alabama was number one of the country in December, and then was you know, 17 and 14 when the year ended because we lose to Indiana in the first round of the tournament. But it was, the league was so much better that you got credit for it. That year that we're talking about in St. Thomas where they're five and six going into to start a conference play. If you didn't take care of business pre-conference, you had, you had to win the league. And when it convincingly, I mean, you had to be better I, I than twelve and four. You think had to be about better that. Twelve and four, because if even if we had been twelve and four in co-champions, I still don't think we get in. If we were thirteen, um, what's the math on that? Thirteen and three. I don't know that we. St- I don't know that we get in. Then, you know, Should maybe you're. Maybe you go to Dayton. Yeah, maybe you go to Dayton and and play in the play-in game, but. I don't know that 13 and three was going to be good enough because the league was just not good enough that 13 wins as crazy as that sounds was going to impress the, the voters when you were five and six against that schedule in the non-conference. First of all, guys, one, I did not, one, I did not plan on Go ahead. Go ahead. Keith. One other multi-team tournament that I will mention, uh, that was a great trip in, in its way and fun trip for me. I really enjoyed it. 
had an off day up there. And uh, I can remember landing at the Anchorage airport. Oh, gotcha. Getting off the plane, going in the terminal, and there sits Chris Stewart waiting on a cab. <laughs> totally forgot that. <laughs> so, I totally so, forgot. Was that who, that was either my first or second year? Uh, it was. It was that the tournament was in '04. It was the '05 right. season. So that um, would have been my second year, I guess. Yeah, um, but yeah, Chris just. Hanging out in the Anchorage airport, hoping a cab shows up. And, Kid uh, from Fairfield with a Montevallo degree who had not traveled much <laughs> on his own, sitting in Anchorage, Alaska, looking for help. And thank God Cecil Hart showed up. Or I may still be sitting at the Anchorage airport looking for a cab. Yeah, it, it was you and the – my mind's gone blank on the little guy that was covering for the Birmingham News then, but he was up there. Um, and they were staying Oh, Wallace? Town. Was it no, that was, it wasn't Greg from the post <laughs> Um I, I should remember, and I don't. But oh. but anyway, uh, took Chris downtown. The only thing, the weather was actually okay. You it know, ticked me off a, because it was low thirties, upper twenties. Yeah. I wanted I wanted to be able to see your breath crystallize. Yeah, I'm in the Fairbanks time of my life. Forty, yeah, but yes. it's, it's like Seattle weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only the only problem with it, the sun came up about nine o'clock in the morning and yeah. started going down about three thirty. It's light until about four four fifteen. Yeah. So you, you couldn't get much done, um, except they beat Anchorage, you know, obviously in the first round, and then they had an off day on Thanksgiving on the twenty yep. fifth. Right. And so I was able to get. I went down to Homer, Alaska, which is really lovely drive truly from Anchorage um, and the weather was good you know bald eagles everywhere the mountain goats as you come in from the airport look over on the hillside as you come along the sound it's a little bit like Puget Sound and there's mountain goats standing up there looking at you and, <laughs> you know a moose will just wander across the road in, in the neighborhoods um, now they played it in a true Quonset hut a true yeah a, a true it wasn't a palace um, it was not palatial digs but i thought it was a fun tournament they lost to washington in the finals but i'm still pissed about that too there was a play in that game everybody knows i was a, i'm a chuck davis <laughs> apologist big chuck davis guy and nate robinson like chuck had the ball and was going up for a, like a layup yeah, nate, robinson nate robinson was good by the way he's he about, was he he, i think they listed him at five nine i'm uh, five Seven, that maybe. makes me six two, so I'm really right, excited to hear right. this five nine. Yeah. Robinson like leaped and then landed on Chuck's thigh and then like jumped off of Chuck's thigh again and blocked <laughs> the shot. And like I'm like, how's that not a foul, man? Like we we lost that game by three. Yeah, and then and then preceding both of you guys' memory, the trips to Puerto Rico. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell one on your beloved colleague the first year they went down there, a really great tournament and played Clem, cliff ellis's clemson team with harsh grant and yeah um yeah great team down there but it's the old it's the old arena it's not the one that that alabama played in and won the tournament but down there ben Evelyn had a dunk uh, <laughs> the most memorable part about that tournament. Shout out. Nah, you know Puerto Rico is—it's—it's—it's it, it's, it's not a bad trip by any stretch. But, but anyway, in the, when they played Clemson, two things. It, it's a—it was a 
old tropical arena, which meant it wasn't air conditioned. They just had the, the concrete block things with holes in them where you'd get a breeze yeah going through and it was small the the managers measured the court and the court was like 88 feet not 94 um so you could really fast break pretty effectively uh but the two things you you may have heard and i used the word berate earlier but far beyond berating cincinnati was there bob huggins (laughs) oh god no, and man. you could hear every single word. <laughs> and uh, all of them were in four letters. Oh, you could, no, I could, I could repeat. I could repeat none of the words. Yeah. But you could hear every. And the other one, um, Eli was doing the play-by-play, and he did the first the first game, and, and it, it worked out. It got it got a little hotter, and I think by the by the championship game, uh, I think Eli brought, you know, because you're in a arena with no air conditioning, whatever breeze you catch is whatever breeze you catch, but he's, he can't sit down on the end, obviously, and catch a breeze very well. He's up in the booth. And so I think Eli came in the building with four shirts. <laughs> <laughs> First three were growing rice by the time it was over with. <laughs> You know, and he wasn't the only one. Now, I'm not absolutely. I'm not singling out Eli. We all would have been. You know, that Eli way. liked to look crisp in the exactly broadcast position. So I think he brought. I think he had four shirts with him when he came in the <laughs> in well, the building. Well, first of all, I'd like to apologize for our listeners for spending like ten minutes on the 2010 um, Paradise Jam. That was not the plan. They really wanted to talk about more positive things. I go back I now. Are we on the air? What's the deal? Yeah. <laughs> Hawaii's been. Hawaii's gotta, been gotta, great. Maui's Wickles. great. Hold up. I got to do a Wickles read. Oh, get back to do it. it. Do it. Wickles. By the way, Chris, if we're doing the podcast, next time I see you, I will have you a jar of Wickles. Um, Outstanding. So, yeah. My wife Wickles. will appreciate that. She loves it. Good, my- Good deal. Wickles, wickedly delicious. Uh, pickles, relishes, okra, and much more. Wickles are proud to be Alabama owned and made using a family recipe 90 years in the making. From Saturday sandwiches to Christmas dinner, their secret recipe used to be reserved for family and friends who were lucky enough to get a jar. But since 1998, they've been bringing the sweet, heat, and bold and tangy recipes into your home. Learn more about them at WicklesPickles.com and find them in your local grocery store in the pickle aisle. Let's get wicked. So, Chris, you do ad reads a lot. How do you grade me there? Am I doing all right? Did I do okay? Uh, we would give you, uh, during this period with the, the study from home, uh, we would give you the passing grade. Okay. I, I, on I, that. I, I get a little fast sometimes. Yeah. 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 We're going to segue, we're gonna segue on into the, into the 2020s now. And, right. We can do um, that. With the upcoming season. First of all, I hope there is a multi-team. I hope Maui I hope we get to go out. to Maui. Don't I'm know gonna yet. be so no. tick, you know the, know the the illness kept me from getting to enjoy the go to the Bahamas. Uh, if if COVID gets me and I don't get Maui either, I'm gonna be a ticked off. You know, it, 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 it's really it's really not up to anybody here. It's up to the people in Hawaii, and they got to do what yeah. they got to do. So we'll we'll see. I don't I don't know. You know, people don't want to hear this on our podcast. Um, and and the immediate concern is football and what's going to happen with the football schedule. Uh, I don't know that the preseason basketball schedule is really going to go exactly as it's written down right now, you know, and start yeah. start putting certainly as far as fans 
start putting people in an indoor arena in November. Uh, I don't think that's written in stone yet. So we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, um, we'll get, we'll get, uh, if some there's preseason no football, basketball, we're all, but yeah, if there's yeah. no football, we're all going to die anyway. So it won't right. <laughs> pretty much. well, it'll be tough. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, but, but hopefully that'll happen. And, and, uh, just talk briefly about, um, baseball this season and, and what you did, you know, they did get to play what 15, 17 games, games? 17 games, yeah, something like and that. And, and, um, just you know what y'all saw and what y'all hope. You know, surely, surely we're talking about a baseball season for next year anyway. If I would, else. good Lord, I would hope so because I tell you, Brad Bohannon and, and his staff have done an incredible job of getting the talent level back where it can compete in the SEC, and they would have competed. Now, does that mean that they would have been uh, – five or ten games above 500 in SEC play, there is zero way of predicting that because I tell anybody that will actually listen that SEC baseball is the toughest, most challenging of any of the sports in the league, and we know how good the league is in every sport, but the toughest, in my opinion, is baseball. It is a bloodbath every weekend, and they were just about ready to start, and they were finally not showing up at a gunfight with a with a sack full of knives. They were actually loaded and ready to compete, had the arms, albeit a lot of young ones, uh, guys that can swing the bat. They they were going to be able to to compete, certainly to get to Hoover. And if you catch some breaks along the way, maybe in a spot where they were going to be a a uh, a regional team and maybe not even as a a three or a two, they, they had a shot. If, you know, that's the great thing about young guys. If things start going well, they don't know that they're not supposed to be that good. Um, you know, ignorance is bliss sometimes. So they're going out playing and they're, they have some success early. They think that's just supposed to happen and maybe it keeps on going. So you don't know how it was going to play out, but I know things were in good shape. Now that's the downside. You didn't get a chance to, to see that to the finish line. The upside is, as I said, those guys were all young, so they got a taste of it. They're still extremely hungry, but he's got a bunch of that talent, if not all but a little of it, coming back. Now, we know that key pe- you lose a couple of key pieces, and they're going to lose a couple. They have already to to pro ball or, or graduation or both. Yeah, Tyler, Tyler, congrats to Tyler Gentry. Yeah, and exactly. Brett Auerbach, too. Brett Auerbach, yes. who, who had become the – the Swiss army knife, you know, put him anywhere and he was going to, he was going to get the job done. Um, they were, they were key pieces that you're, they're going to have a tough time replacing, but in terms of talent, you're going to, you're going to be in a good spot. And I don't think by any stretch that last year, this season was a one year deal for Alabama baseball. I think they've got it back. They've got it in a position where they're going to be able to compete and they're going to be able to do it for years to come. Uh, it's exciting. It, it really is. And I'm looking forward to them having the chance to be back and, and competing. Devi- you know, devastated for them that the work that's put in, they didn't get a chance to see to fruition. But I think they're going to be uh, some really good times ahead for Bama baseball fans. 
we did a preseason podcast with with Bo Hannon, me and Brent Hudson, and he was. I mean, Bo was optimistic. Yeah. But, I mean, but still kind of playing it a little close to the vest. Well, then we did another one with him after the season being canceled. He fully expected he's, this was an NCAA tournament team. He was sure. very, I mean, that that was the expectation. If this yeah. had not made the NCAA tournament, it would have been a disappointment. Um, right. And so it was kind of remarkable to hear how, like, how he really thought this team was, was good. And from what he said, you know, he said, even if we have some defections, we should be pretty good next year, too. So it's right. it is exciting. And I'm, I'm definitely looking I was looking forward to this season, but I'll be looking forward to next season as well. He's you know, he's not a poor mouth guy, but he he generally plays cards fairly close to the vest, mm-hmm. at least publicly. So you're right for him to have said that in, you know, in in interviews and all, you knew it was going to be good. And for what we saw for. 16, 17 games, he was dead on the money with it. Well, kind of getting back to basketball a little bit. Um, we'll probably talk about, you know, the future and what, what this holds. But I wanted to ask you about, just real quick off the top of your head, a couple of your most memorable moments. And I'm not talking about tornadoes hitting buildings and that. Thing. Yeah. Corona. What are just some memorable moments you've had, you know, whether it's, you know, Colin, Colin Sexton, whether it's the 04 UNC Charlotte game, just some memorable moments that you've had. Uh, just about any time we played Georgia, even though it may not have had that much on the line, right? Necessarily, but like even this year, yeah, you know, with the everybody talks about the the Georgia game and Relaford shot, and because of the fact that it was, I'll call it the longest in modern history. I know it wasn't the longest in school history, but in terms of us having see it captured on video rather than, you know, getting secondhand accounts of it. Um, that one will always be there. And not just because of the fact it won the game and not just the fact that it was such a long shot, three quarters court or uh, somewhere in between half and, and three quarters court. Do y'all remember that was, first of all, Alabama had about a 20 point lead and let it get away. And they were they were tied, and Georgia had the ball, and that's when all of that craziness happened. Uh, Charles Mann loses the ball when Nick Jacobs was actually in the right defensive position once, and Rodney Cooper finds it in his hands and goes, "I want no part of this," and flips it to Relly, who had the presence of mind to look at the clock, take a dribble, and then didn't just throw it; he shot it. And it was the most beautiful beyond midcourt shot I've ever seen because it wasn't a throw. It wasn't a heave. He shot it and dang near caught the ball when it came under, when it came out of the basket on the other end. But for me, selfishly and purposely, it wasn't just a win that salvaged what would have been a, a blown 20-point lead. They celebrated the 100 years of Alabama basketball that day. You had all mm-hmm. these former players, coaches, managers, and there were, they'd honored them at halftime, but there was going to be a celebration afterwards and a full program up in the, you know, in the hospitality area. Um, God, I've drawn a blank on what they call it. Uh, club room? In, club room. Thank you. Uh, there was supposed to be a, cel- a program up there that I was going to have to emcee, and it was going to go from being the emcee of a party to be delivering the eulogy at a funeral. That's what it was going to be like, because that was going to knock us out of the tournament or any shot at the tournament. Turns out we didn't get in anyway, because despite beating Georgia then, and as we talked about earlier in the SEC tournament later that 
that next week in Atlanta. Still didn't get a bid. But yep. uh, at least it was a fun day, and you had that shot, and you had a chance to, to truly celebrate 100 years. And at that moment, anyway, all was right in the basketball world in Tuscaloosa. But that one was special. Ron Steele's make against Georgia uh, was was really cool, that, that buzzer beater. Um, he, he didn't travel at all. <laughs> no, because they didn't call I, it. And who I'll am tell I to question SEC officials for crying out loud? I'll tell you the most uh, surprising. Now, I'm, for better or worse, I'd say for worse, I don't get to hear uh, Chris and, and Brian as much because I'm there. You know, I'm usually right. at the arena. Congratulations. But, um, <laughs> but one that I didn't go to for, for whatever circumstances, I guess it was in the 16th season in Gainesville. And I have never heard Chris more surprised at an individual performance than he was by Jimmy, Jimmy Taylor. <laughs> I knew, that, day. I knew that, was you were so, that was there. so awesome. That was awesome. I mean, <laughs> um, and even on the television broadcast, they were shot too. I remember, I think it was like Charles. Davis. But oh I was listening God, to Chris. Just, just so you know, Chris, I was listening to y'all and had uh, the screen on. So he had a dunk that I think, you know, normally, Stuff just pops into my head, and I'm giving an analogy, and I'm pretty fortunate that it makes sense. There's one that popped into my head that I don't know that it made any sense, but it it was clear as a bell. He looked like, at the time, my three-year-old dunking a basketball. You know, he just ripped the goal down. And he had a guy in his face, and like, that's Jimmy Taylor for crying out loud. <laughs> Where has that guy been? It, it, it was like offensively, you know, you're you're like you've had a hundred game career here. You know, Where did that come from? Where why at this one point, what is what is happening to you in Florida that all of a sudden you're gonna you're gonna tear their gym apart? That it reminded me, that moment reminded me of um and we talked about goofy things happening. We're in San Diego. Uh, the, bomb John Felix, the bomb threat. The bomb threat. And, you know, that's another one. You know, you, you have a you put your bag down and they tell you get out of the building. There's a bomb, right. bomb yeah. threat. And you leave. And, and it's the first round of the NCAA tournament. We're playing Marquette. And John Felix, I forgot what how many points he had in that game. I think he had 36. It, it was crazy. But I remember he had a ton in the first half. And I remember set, he makes a shot. And he, he, I mean, he was just totally unconscious. He makes a shot, and I go, John Felix for three. Who do you think you are? <laughs> and oh, see, uh, that that broadcast I didn't get to hear. I was in. Yeah, Vegas, so. good John, for you. John had John had thirty one points in thirty five minutes. Was eight of eleven from the field. Eight of eleven threes. Did not attempt a two point basket. See, so you'll appreciate this. The guy that was covering the tournament for. I think Sports Illustrated. It may have been a major newspaper, but yeah, it was sure. yeah. it was a guy. Yeah, it was a guy from no. It was a guy from SI because we just randomly sat together in the media room pregame meal and we're talking and he's talking about that game. He goes, you know, let me tell you. He said if Felix has uh, a game similar to what he had against Marquette, there's a sh- there's a chance that you guys could be on the cover of our magazine. Because we're playing UCLA to go to the right, go right. to the Sweet 16, he said you guys could be on the cover of the magazine next week. And I said, well, let me tell you, 
I hope it happens. I would love nothing more. But there is a greater likelihood that Jean-Felix's first shot will wind up in row three than there is of him having that type of game again. Because that's just the way he was, hot and cold. He was as good as you'd see anywhere. He looked like Michael Jordan one game, and then he might look like me the next. Just it was the way it went. Phenomenal talent. Great guy. Wonderful guy. But I love John. That's yeah. That's the way it could go. So sure enough, the the uh, first trip down the floor, Felix gets it on the wing, no hesitation, shoots it. It's an air ball. It hits on the baseline and it bounces over the head of the photographers, who are you know all on the baseline. And the guy from SI is sitting about eight seats to my right. And I'm not kidding you. He stands up and looks down at me, and his jaw hit the ground. And I just shrugged my shoulders. I said. <laughs> Yeah, it, I told you, you know, it didn't make it to row three, but row one got a souvenir on that first shot. Jean Felix in that game had five points in 34 minutes against UCLA. Exactly. And we still almost, still almost won the game. We're yeah, Ron's got the ball. Yeah, Ron's got the you ball. You told me in the before air. the game that that was going to be, we win the game or we win or lose on Ron taking the three at the top that, of the key. I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. That, Ron, Ron was shocked that he was so open and he rushed the shot or he makes it and we go to the Sweet 16. Would have stayed out yeah, on the, the West Coast too. Would have gone to San Jose. Yeah. The the one thing I'll say about that that game was that um, UCLA, which clearly was a tremendously talented team, um, but they played Ben Howland ball. You know, he had yeah. he had Farmer and Aflalo and guys that could really run, and they were going to play you sixty two to fifty nine. You know, they that, had a guy was, with sixteen names on there too. Was it? I can't Luke remember. Uh, Amute. Yes. Yeah. I, it was uh, the nightmare for a play-by-play guy on radio. How in the heck are you going to do that? <laughs> got, a, got a first name that one, don't you? Just yes. Luke and the ball yes. into, into Luke, which is <laughs> At least it was like John Felice. Talking about listening to Florida, and, and I like Mick Huber. He's a very nice guy, but he first yes. names all their guys. If you don't, if you don't know them, if you don't know, know them, have them over to dinner on Friday and on a first name basis with him, you don't know who's yeah, got the ball. Exactly. Yeah, he, he's first naming or nicknaming them. You know, like uh, lefty throws it into red. Like, <laughs> like Johnny Most with the Celtics that year that they were playing. Uh, they played some an international team. They were playing the Russians or somebody, and he knew he had no shot at getting their names right. And he goes, "The big one throws it over to the little one. The little one back to the big one. Big yeah. one back up top." It yeah, was, it's like it's like month like month. Like Munson when he couldn't couldn't get Jared Lorenzen straight, so he just went with Big Godzilla. <laughs> and we can't get him down. Uh, it's not but rocket anyway. science. We're just trying to tell you who's got the ball, and if you can figure it out, good. Yeah, exactly. And you you know if you're a Florida fan listening to the Florida broadcast, you know what you know who Mick was talking about, right? I'm sure Florida fans are listening to Chris Call games and going, why does this guy say bottom so much? So, well, <laughs> let me tell you. you know, I'll and say by, this a by lot. the way, the one thing the one thing I won't mention, all the stuff in 2020 that's happened, uh, the game in Gainesville ranks in there. It's it's one. Yes, of yes. I remember uh, Nate apologizing to me post game. He goes, "We got you back for the first time. We get you a 20 yeah, point lead." Yeah, I did a lead. story on Chris down there. Yeah. yeah. He goes, and then we, uh, he goes, and then we go double, we make you work double overtime and don't get you a win. He goes, I really, he was genuinely apologetic. One of the, one of the truly rare situations where 
I've seen opposing team fans at the end of regulation, they're leaving the building. I mean, yes. they're, they're, they're headed out. Right. Um, so, uh, but trials and tribulations of a young team. That's true. That's true. For sure. For sure. But the thing is, a lot of those guys are a year older and, you know, looking to, forward to, you know, I realize that we have to always preface it with if we get to play this year. I do think that we, there will be some basketball. There'll be there'll year. be southeastern conference basketball right. in the winter. I don't and question got a that. pretty good got a pretty good roster. Um, something to be excited about. Um, added some new pieces. Still, the potential to add some new pieces might get you know a guy like John Petty back. Um, you know, pretty exciting looking for, look, going into year two of the NATO Sarah for sure, Chris. I am I am so excited because the pieces to the puzzle. The way he wants it designed are very much in place for it to be a great year. Now, any and everything can happen. First of all, the stuff that's out of everybody's hands with the virus. You know, as we've already talked about, what's the season going to look like? The other part, injuries can happen. You just don't know. Stuff stuff can happen. Uh, but from a pure basketball standpoint, Cecil, you, you tell me if you feel differently, but I think for what he wants done and for how he wants to play, this is as well positioned a roster as Alabama's had in a long, long time. Uh, I think it looks that way. And, and that's no, you know, th- there were a couple of guys on last year's roster who were recruited for a different style of play. Sure. And, and that's no knock on them. And um, they've had, transfer opportunities and I, I wish you know Galen is a great guy uh, yeah he, he, yeah absolutely I, I hope he does well at Maryland Jalen Forbes I hope he does well um, but they were recruited for a different kind of system and so I think that uh, I don't know what John's going to decide uh, I guess the the clock is uh, still ticking it's been a long clock uh, I think it shows that that John's really John Petty's really torn about his decision. Here I am talking about sure. Cuber first naming guys, and I'm first naming guys. <laughs> John Petty. Uh, Everybody the, listening to this podcast knows who John is. Uh, uh, I, I refuse to use Green Bean Machine, by the way. I'm not going there. There you go. Um, but, you know, he's got to make a decision, and, and um, I think they're poised. It wouldn't 100% surprise me if, if – John decides to stay in the draft if there's still a you know, possibility that they'd add a player. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. So um, if, if he comes back, though, that, that's a lot of firepower. Um, some pressure on, on Quinterly. Um, right. He's been good in practices. That's all I can tell you. Uh, they, they, you know, certainly it's not fair to compare him to Kyra. Um, different type players, and right. a lot of their success would depend on that. But in terms of long, athletic guys that can score, they've got them up and down the roster. Yep, which, which is tough. exactly what Oates wants. Yes. And, I, and I think some toughness in some key areas. I think too. so. I'll be interested to see the freshman um, Primo's young. Yeah, but I'll, I'll be interested to see him and and the guy that people aren't talking about very much and they're overlooking and is going to make a tremendous difference on this team is Jordan Bruner. Totally agree. Totally agree. A guy that, first of all, an experienced veteran guy 
is excited about playing at this level night in and night out. He showed in, in when he was challenged in games, you know, against power five teams that he could rise to the occasion. But this guy's pumped about playing night in and night out against uh, that type of competition. But he goes back to what I was talking about earlier, who in terms of what his skill set is, fits perfectly in, in Nate's system. And that will be, I think, highly entertaining to watch. He knows he's got one year. He knows the time is now. Uh, he can be a he, and he's the rare situation where uh, a guy who only has one year is still going to be looked to as a leader and is not afraid of that role. I think that's going to yeah, be fun I think to watch that's too. True. I think that's true. Well, guys, we're pushing an yeah, hour. Yeah, thank you. I know this is one of the longer ones we've ever done. I think we might have gone yeah. a little bit longer after the Auburn win back in January, but that was just me pretty much just like fangirling the whole time. <laughs> that, was, that was you singing the fight song over and over, right? Pretty much, pretty much. Chris, thank you so, so much. My we pleasure. We've been doing this for a while um, and glad we're able to do it now. Me Stay too. safe, and hopefully we get to you know have you calling Alabama basketball games sooner as opposed to you know, later. So I thanks mean, again. I- I'm in favor of that. Appreciate you guys so much. Had a lot of fun with it. All right. This has been the Bama B basketball podcast brought to you by Wickles. Y'all stay safe out there. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.